Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Majid. With me is Omar Zini, back from Armenia, back from MLS All-Star, back from Camp Shutout. And also with us is the one and only legend of the goalkeeping community, Patrick McLean, former MLS goalkeeper. What's up, dude? How are you? Hey, doing great. How are you? This is uh, this is exciting, man. I feel like uh, I'm doing like. Remember how we used to talk about the Avengers of goalkeeping, trying to bring like superhero goalkeepers all together into one special podcast, and I think we're doing <laughs> that right now. I think uh, Pat and I, you're probably your kids, man. I think you have uh, your two sons on with you right now. That's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm hardly an Avenger. I'll put it that way. <laughs> Well, uh, a lot's been going on. Honestly, uh, I know a lot of you guys have been like, "Hey, you, we've been listening to the podcast every week. How come you guys have only been doing like one podcast every week?" Well, let's see here. Uh, Omar was reliving his youth in Armenia, uh, winning <laughs> winning the World Cup. Right? Is that what you were doing over there? The uh, Pan Armenian Games. It was uh, definitely an interesting trip. I felt. I mean, honestly, when you step away from the game for that long and then you get back into it, it's just the adrenaline comes back to you and just everything that you loved about the game it kind of like just comes back to you in, in, that, in those moments of making saves and things like that like we were down 1-0 in a game and I made like two or three saves and then we ended up coming back tying it and then winning it in overtime so like it was just fun to be a part of those big like big wins and uh just kind of I mean just have that excitement back in, uh, in my life in that sense so that was really fun and uh interesting as well a lot of the guys on our team you know they they skipped curfew, went out a, few, a lot of the times. We had games at 10 a.m. They'd come back at 4 a.m. So not a lot of rules there, but, uh, but it was fun. Wait, curfew? You guys had a curfew there? Like, you had, like literally like a curfew like children? <laughs> Our coach would say, guys, look, be smart. We have a big game tomorrow. Come back, you know, try and be in bed by 11 or 12. Like, I get you guys want to have fun, but please be smart. Like, my roommate would come back at, like, 4 in the morning and be like, dude, how much more time do I have to sleep? I'm like, well, first off, you just woke me up. Second, like, what, why are you coming back so late? He's like, well, I had friends in town. I'm like, all right, you know what? <laughs> There's no use in trying to talk sense in these guys. Patrick, do you ever have a curfew uh, when you went on the road? Do you guys have a specific curfew? Oh, I don't know God. these things. I didn't play at the level of, of, of somebody like a Patrick McLean, you know? So. How much time you got, man? <laughs> <laughs> The the biggest uh, the biggest experience I could draw from is my time at Chivas USA. My second year there, we uh, not only did we have a curfew, we were put in the hotel the night before on home games. So they would do room checks as well. They would come by, make sure everybody was in their room at curfew, make sure we didn't have any drugs or alcohol or women or whatever it is that they're looking for, or all and, three at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Trifecta. That sounds that sounds awful. <laughs> yeah. Was it no, 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 no. This was uh, El Chalice. Oh my god, that guy is yeah. crazy. Yep. So uh, we would be every home game. We'd be stay, staying at the DoubleTree in in Carson. <laughs> oh my well, god. So he's the one. He's the one with the cigarettes, right? That guy's the. Oh yeah. The Las Vegas lights. Oh yeah. That's him. <laughs> <laughs> Well, wow, we can do another. We can do a full podcast. We on can that do guy. a full <laughs> podcast on on uh, people from Las Vegas lights. But speaking of curfews, uh, a lot of the people here who are listening to the podcast they do have a curfew uh, because they're still uh, youth players. Mr. And, uh, transition, Mr. Transition himself, man. Mr. Transition look, himself. 
you know, I was telling Patrick, I'm like, this, you're just going to have to, all I, all you have to do is don't worry. I'm, I'll start trying to drive the bus and then you just got to follow along, you know, <laughs> kind of like speed. I'm going to kind of try to keep it like under like 70 miles an hour or whatever. So the bomb doesn't explode. <laughs> That's a reference that literally like a lot of people listening to this are going to be Sandra like, Bullock. I, I know. I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what's up? What about speed what's to up, cruise Keanu? control? Remember that one? No, I never boat? saw that one. <laughs> oh, that one, was the one, the one on the boat. That was uh, good too. Did you see that one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one with uh, Enrique Murciano. Uh, wow, I, I know way too much useless information. Uh, but but not useless information are uh, all the reviews that we're getting. Guys, thanks so much for rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the podcast. We're getting close to 100 reviews. I'm actually saying that, and I'm actually being honest this time. We are close to 100 reviews. A lot of times I say we're being close to 100 reviews. We're at like 10. Uh, but we are actually close to 100 reviews. And uh, I just want to read out some of these because I know uh, it's been a while since we've been recording uh, since we got back in town, and I want to give show you guys some love. So this first one is from uh, Coach Vargas, uh, and it goes, top quality podcast, which is already starting off very strong. And then he goes, great podcast, although I have played goalkeeper my entire life, even to the college level, there are things I need to help fleshing out to my young goalkeepers, and this podcast has amazing capital letters and relevant capital letters content. Great job, guys! Exclamation! Exclamation! Exclamation point! Uh, so, shout out to Coach Vargas. Uh, I'll don't worry. Uh, thank you for. Um, I'll send you that Venmo for the twenty bucks. It's totally cool. Uh, but I appreciate that. And uh, this next one, this is pretty amazing because uh, this one goes love this podcast. This is from Robster04, which I'm guessing is probably uh, his uh, his birth year. Uh, man, I feel old. Uh, I love hearing different opinions on techniques, training, and more. It really makes you think about those trainings or whatever. I used to struggle in 1v1 situations, but I found a video from who? Omar. And I think I've improved a lot in 1v1s thanks to him. Nice. Nothing about me, but <laughs> thanks to Omar, apparently, this guy now is the 1v1 master. Uh, shout out love from Iceland, Robert, 15 years old. Uh, Robert. Awesome. By the way, he's got those little, uh, what are those things called? The little emojis? No, no, not emojis. The, the <laughs> things. Yeah, the accents over his, is it Robert? How do you say it? Robert? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So. It's not. Yeah, no, it's not going to be <laughs> Robert. Robert. It's going to be like, uh, Maybe it is. I don't know. Rob, I don't know. It's like a Robertusic. No, that's like Croatian or something like that. Robert. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just go Robert here in America, right? <laughs> We're keeping things uh, very patriotic here. All right, uh, we'll read one more and then we'll get to some listener questions here. This one comes from, uh, I'm going to totally butcher this name. This is uh, Nithin Perumal. I'm, I'm guessing that's how you say it. And he goes, hey, I'm a young aspiring goalkeeper and I absolutely love your content. It has helped me grow and elevate my game a lot and has helped me get selected for my ODP state team. Congrats, Nithin. That's Congrats. a huge. That's awesome. That's a huge deal. Uh, I I never made my ODP state team, so that's a pretty Same. big deal. Yeah, Omar, did you ever make the ODP state team? Uh, I made the team. I was on uh, the pool. I went to one of the camps, and then I was one of the only two <laughs> Southern California kids I got cut. The entire Region Four team was made up of all of our California guys, and I was one of two people that got cut. And it was like the saddest thing in the world. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> So it was literally just like, so who did they choose? Who were the goalkeepers? Were they from like random places like Montana or something like that? Or No, no. So remember Kean Parsa? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kean, Kean, Kean Parsa. So he was on my team and I think they picked up another guy from NorCal. 
And so those two made it and our entire team made it of like 16, 17 players. And then the next day it was me and this other guy. We got uh, taken on a bus and we all left while those guys got to stay for another week. Wait, wait you got taken on a bus? It sounds like they escorted you with security <laughs> from the state facility. Did you have to wear an orange jumpsuit? <laughs> I may as well, man. I was crying. I was so sad. I was like, wow, that really, I was like 15 or 14 at the time. And it was just like the first time I'd ever been cut. And it was just like, wow, this is, this is how it feels. And uh, yeah, they, did, they gave us a full night to pack our stuff. And the next morning we were out in the bus. So, yeah. Now, now Omar, when you're 5'8", 155 pounds, you've, you've learned what it's like to get cut a lot. So uh, <laughs> if you ever want me to go back and talk to your 12-year-old self, I can give him a lot of advice. <laughs> the wounds have healed. Don't worry. I'm good now. But if I, if I knew that you could have helped me back then, I definitely would have uh, phoned a friend. Um, so guys, so keep, 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 keep those reviews coming. Uh, I want to do a little bit of listener questions again. It's, this is kind of a, a podcast to kind of catch up, you know, since it's been a few weeks, uh, for everybody also big announcement want to make is, uh, a next tour is going to be coming up at the end of September. Uh, unfortunately, Omar's got Cal state LA, so he's not going to be able to participate in this. Uh, but Patrick and I are actually going to go out there and, uh, shout out to, uh, to Liz and Drew over in, uh, in Scottsdale. Uh, we're going to be doing a live show out there and a live clinic on September 29th at the J, uh, which sounds like a club. I'm not going to lie. That sounds like a nightclub. Uh, so I think we're going to be doing a, a live clinic and live show at a nightclub. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting uh, perspective on goalkeeping. A lot of dancing going on. It a won't lot of be strokes. a nightclub. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> it won't be a nightclub. <laughs> It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be probably a youth facility, I'm guessing, but it it sounds fancy. Uh, so we'll give you guys more information about that. Uh, that's gonna be coming out. Um, we'll have the link for you guys and all that fun stuff. So let's get some of these listener questions, guys, before we get into the topic today. Uh, first one comes from Aaron Curtis, and he goes, "My coach says my confidence is getting better, but I'm too focused on making mistakes and what everyone would think then." play academy level and it's a huge step up from the last level I played I found it hard to settle in and then my confidence dropped any advice who wants to start go for it Omar so his confidence dropped because he got dropped Mike is that what you said no 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 his his confidence dropped because he is now playing at academy level and he feels that his confidence dropped because the speed of play is a lot higher than it was you know playing regular club moving up to academy Oh, and I think, I mean, that's, that's totally normal. Uh, I think that's, uh, a lot of us have to adjust to, to different speeds. And I think that's how it is, right? Like you go from, from when I was playing club and I went to the academy level and from the academy level to the division one level. And then from division one level, I tried to go pro didn't happen, but I still was at some trials that a lot of those guys that I was tra- uh, trialing with, they actually became pros. So I was able to kind of just like go to the next level, but you have this little period and this little window to adjust. So I wouldn't get discouraged. I would just kind of have that mindset that, you know what, okay, instead of me being sad about this or me being upset or lacking confidence, I'm going to go with a different approach for these next two weeks, these next two months that I want to learn as much as I possibly can. And then from there in those two months, obviously you're there for a reason and they've entrusted in you a certain way because you're that good. So don't, uh, you know, uh, what's it called? The, uh, don't think that you don't have ability because you do, but try and have a different mindset as you approach it because mindset is key. And I think from there, if you come into it with a different mindset, different approach, you're going to be a lot better off with the, uh, the, the window of adjustment. Yeah. Patrick, anything to add to that? Uh, I think that's really good advice right there. Um, I mean, you're somebody who's had to deal with different, you know, different levels consistently throughout your entire career, you know, going from college to MLS to Europe and all of that. So what, what helped you out? 
Um, so I, I would say Omar basically nailed it on the head. Um, the advice that I would give to my younger self, because I was the exact same way, you know, if I made a mistake, uh, I would go, I would run through that play thousands of times to figure out exactly how I could do it better. And I think one of the things that I would tell my younger self, especially is be patient, be patient with yourself, be patient with, um, what you're doing and what you're trying to accomplish because this stuff takes time and, and guys at every level, they're still making mistakes and they still deal with confidence issues. And the only way that you can really, um, combat that is exactly what Omar said. He said, it's a change in mindset. How can we, how can we stop focusing on what I'm doing wrong and start focusing on the things that I'm doing right? And once you make that, that change in your mind to start replaying those things that you're doing right in your head, those great saves that you made throughout the day, those, you know, the, the good balls you played to your, your teammates, like start replaying those things in your head because then your body and your mind are going to get used to those being the normal. And then the adjustment period, that's, that's normal. I mean, that's totally normal. Uh, just be patient with yourself and don't, don't get down on yourself. That's, uh, that's as simple as that. Yeah, I think uh, I think both you guys brought up. I mean, honestly, you guys both nailed it. My my favorite was when Omar started like waving his fist in the air because <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, I got it, I got it." Um, no, I mean, look, um, both you guys obviously have have played at very good levels, and you know, I mean, not to not to pat myself on the back, but I've I've played at some decent levels as well too. And and honestly, I I always had issues with just thinking that I wasn't very good just because the speed of play changed. And then I, I just really recognized the fact that the game doesn't change just the speed of play changes and the level of the skill level of the players gets higher, but the game itself, the goals are the same size. The dimensions of the field is all the same. And remember that this is what you've been training for. You know, we've talked about it with other kids um, that you're not there unless they think you can play at that level. So understand that, you know? Um, All right, let's move on to Jesus right here. Uh, Jesus uh, Sahugun. uh, And he says, uh, one question I have is that the level I am at right now, realistically, how far can I go? I don't have much connections, and I believe that I am at a UPSL or NPSL level. If I keep up the work and tweaking the things I have trouble with, I'm from Oxnard, but starting at the end of this year, month till next year, I will be in Long Beach. I just turned 23, and I'm wondering if my age would be a factor. Listening to your story of hard work is inspiring me to because you never gave up with all the odds. Jeez, I think this might be about me. Uh, wow, I'm starting to cry. Going against you. So the whole point in all of this is, is it realistic to reach the top level in any country with the level I'm at right now? The link attached is the warm-up from the last session I did. Uh, I just want to do this on a general basis as opposed to, you know, Jesus, in, in regards to, I don't want to put you on blast in regards to your warm-up skills or, or whatever. Uh, one thing I will say is, is, is coaches have to see game tape too. They can't just see a warm-up and, and, and be able to decide, you know, the level of, of a goalkeeper. Um, in general, guys, 23, you know, think you can play at UPSL, MPSL level. Is it too late? Or, I mean, personally, I think it's never too late. If you believe in yourself, you know, anything's possible. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I agree. I'm, I'm a, a product of hard work and belief. And, um, you know, I would, I would advise anybody who has the love of doing what we do to pursue it with, with every ounce of what they have. Um, you know, I would, uh, I would hundred percent agree that coaches need game tape and you need to play games, especially at 23, um, a coach at the, you know, the NPSL level is going to be looking at what 
you can accomplish in net during a game uh, because as as any goalkeeper knows we <laughs> training is very different than playing in a game and ultimately are you able to keep the ball out of the net during a game if you are and you're playing well and you're performing and you have the film to back it up i i don't see why why that's not an acceptable goal for you yeah omar anything to add to that um i think uh so if it, when it comes to like the professional usl mls stuff pat i'm sure you can attest to this the older you get the less of a chance not that your ability will be a factor in it i mean sure it will a certain percentage of it will but to even get looks if you don't have a past record or a resume to show for it uh they won't really consider you unless you're about 19, 20 years old, maybe 18 to like maybe 21, maybe the oldest. So I remember when I went to, uh, when I, I, I went to go on trial with the galaxy and after I came back from my ACL injury, um, the, uh, the guy in charge there messaged me and he's like, Hey, how old are you again? I was like, Oh, I'm 22. He's like, Oh, okay. And I was like, Oh, is that an issue? He's like, well, you know, it's a little bit older than we would be considering, but you know, it's, we'll see, we'll see what we see. At the time I just physically wasn't there anymore. And I mentally, I was checked out, but, when that kind of gave me that kind of a pause, I was like, okay, well, I think nowadays they're developing so many good, uh, good goalkeepers to the academy and things like that, that they're going to they're gonna be willing to take more risk on their younger goalkeepers. So for you, what I would say is go play for this NPSL or go train as hard as you possibly can. Believe in yourself. Get on this team. Get some either game footage or some actual like live training footage in if you make the team. Go get some live training footage. And then from there, build your resume up. And then if you do have the talent, whether you're 23, 24, 25, pass that information along. Get it on a CV. Give it to a, uh, you know, a coach or a scout or an agent. Let them see it. And then from there, if you're good enough and you have quality and a team needs a goalkeeper, then that's where the opportunity will come. But I think if you're trying to try out for these teams, unless you're you know, this unbelievable talent, I think 23 may be a little bit too old. But to build your way up from the NPSL and uh, UPSL, all those things, I think that's probably the, a good age to, to get into it. So are you saying me in like my late 30s, like that's not a good idea for me to try to go out to, to like a, an NPSL or like a UPSL training session and just say, hey, can I just try out for the team? Like, you can uh, do what makes you happy. <laughs> do what makes you happy. I mean, if, if that's what's going to make you happy, then uh, <laughs> by all means. But just know that just know that your body's not the same when you're 33 <laughs> When you're 23. Oh, 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 it's 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 <laughs> definitely very true. And let let so let's talk about training a little bit. And uh, I want to kind of segue into it. And by the way, guys, uh, we got a lot of listener questions. We can't get to everyone every episode, so just keep sending them contact at insidethe18media.com, and we will get to them at future episode. We promise you. Otherwise, we're going to be here for 17 hours just answering questions. Uh, but we'll talk about uh, listener questions and and a new thing that's going to be happening uh, later on in the episode that that Omar's got cooking up, uh, which might help you guys out with that. So uh, let's talk about uh, training. And uh, today's episode, I want the topic to be solo training. Okay. One of the reasons is both you guys have been very good at producing content uh, and helping people out in regards to solo training. Um, so first off, for anybody who's out there who's listening, who doesn't know what we're talking about, what is solo training? So solo training is the training that you do when your team's not around, when it's just you or it's just you and somebody else and you're, you're just focusing on the things that you need to get better at. Because ultimately, every single, every single person that you're going to compete against is going to be doing the practice for five times a week, whatever it is. They're going to be, they're going to be showing up. They're going to be doing their hour and a half, two hours of training and then it's what are you doing 
in the meantime, that's going to push you above them. And that's where that self-training comes in as far as I'm concerned. Uh, what do you think, Omar? No, I, I completely agree. I think that's, um, I'm sure you can attest to this as well, Pat. And I, I, always, I will always be deferring to you from this point forward when it comes to uh, any theories that I may have that professional athletes may have had as they grew up. But um, I know I think that's-, that's Wait, hold, hold on. Is that, is, that the, is that the humble Omar Zini coming out? What? A, <laughs> I, I, I know my place. I know my place when there's certain topics that I, I were discussing and I got to defer, I got to defer. Uh, but no, I think that's, that's so accurate. I think a lot of times when training is over, um, a lot of players will either just go home or like how I used to do, I would just go home, not really do anything extra because I thought, okay, perfect. We're done. We're released, but I'm done. But it comes down to how much more do you want to get better? How much more do you want to, you know, uh, strengthen your weak foot? How much more do you want to, you know, work on your transitions and counterattacks with, with the side volley? It's, you know, things like that. I think that's where, um, the solar training really comes into play when you come out there and you're pretty much responsible for your own development in that sense. And, you know, obviously you're in a team setting and all that stuff, but the extra work that really comes down to you and how much work you want to put in. So I think solar training is, is, is vital. And I think as I'm sure Pat would attest to this, it's, it's what makes a difference at the next level. And I think that's where now, I mean, I'm sure Brad Guzan has, you know, coaches and everyone trying to help him play better out of the back. But I don't know, the last few games I've been watching him really closely. He's, so much more comfortable playing out of the back and he didn't grow into that he wasn't in that system growing up so it wasn't really a uh something that he had to factor in but now that he's playing for Frankie DeVore and then playing for Atlanta who plays out of the back he's got to be better with his feet and I think a lot of that comes with solo training and getting out there and just knocking 50 60 balls after training and before training so that's what I would say yeah, you know, I, I you brought up a really good point, Omar, in regards to from the distribution standpoint. And 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 Patrick, I know that you spent a lot of time working on your distribution at the professional level uh, on your own. Um, obviously, you know, it, it's a it's a huge part, a huge component to the game. And I think that's something that when it comes to solo training, that's something very much that that you can do on your own. But you got to make sure that it's still very game realistic. So, Patrick, what are some of the common mistakes that goalkeepers make when they're training on their own that you've seen, even at the professional? level well here's the thing mistakes are part of it at every level at every stage at <laughs> it at every training session mistakes are part of it so the fact is if you're going out there and you're doing something for an hour hour and a half that you're getting better now the the real thing that needs to be considered here is how efficiently am i using my time and my energy and that's the biggest thing is am I using my time and energy just lumping 40-yard, 60-yard balls at a trash can, which I've done? And uh, Those were very solid <laughs> hits, by the way. I saw those on my <laughs> uh, Or, or am, I, am I putting myself in a moment in my head that requires this sort of pass, this sort of moment? Am I visualizing a, the, the forward who's going to be running onto this ball what am I doing to make this as efficient as possible and as game realistic as possible? Um, I think one of the mistakes people make is, listen, the most, the most precious resources we have are our energy and our time. And so if you're using those appropriately and effectively and efficiently in these trainings, then that's going to really pay off. If you're using this time to 
to not do the most efficient things and the most effective things for your game, then yeah, are you going to get better? Sure. hundred percent, but you're not going to get as better as you could. It's working smarter, not harder. That's a really, really good point. And then so coming from somebody who works really hard, I mean, I'll, I'll give the, the audience a little bit of a backstory. When I first met Patrick, you know, he had learned goalkeeping pretty much on his own from YouTube videos, uh, which is, uh, he, at, at the time, he didn't have the Omar Zini uh, solo training program to follow. So he had to just go online and, and find <laughs> videos and go out into the woods and, you know, wrestle bears and, and all, all the other things that, that that make you a great goalkeeper. Um, but dude, you were one of the hardest working kids I'd ever seen, you know, work ethic wise. And, uh, you know, I think that maturity as you, as you moved on into the professional game of understanding, you know, that there, there's a way to work hard, but yet make it specific to the game. And I think one thing that I've really been seeing a lot in solo trainings that I like is when people are combining distribution with, with, with handling from the cross, uh, because that's kind of what happens a lot of times in the game. And if, it, if there isn't service and then you receive the ball or there's, a, or, or there's an end of play and then, and then there's a dead ball played, then you're, all you're really doing is just working on the mechanics, but you're not really working on the game situation. For sure. Yeah, I think uh, to add on to you guys' points, I think the main word that I would use is accountability. And I think uh, I always kind of refer back to myself in, in situations like this where when I played at Davis, obviously when we play at like a high, uh, a high level with a, in, in team structure, you're accountable to your teammates, you're accountable to your coaches, obviously you're accountable to yourself, but you can kind of lean on your teammates and your coaches to kind of push you to kind of get a result that's going to help the entire team. But when you have solo training, you're essentially accountable to yourself. And that's where I think personally, my, my, my downfall in my career was the, what are you doing when, when, the, when no one's watching kind of a thing. And I was the kind of person who just kind of went through the motions. Like I, I felt like I knew the game really well and, and just kind of did the bare minimum. And when I would go out there to do some extra work or uh, hit some extra balls, I wasn't necessarily doing anything game speed or game realistic. It was more so how can I improve just this one little facet of my game. So I think I did the, the bare minimum, the foundational work, but I never added any building blocks on top of that. And I think that's where a lot of young kids, whether it's, it's you know, you fail or you succeed, it comes from that accountability to train at game-like speeds. And it's mainly for you. I, I write this all the time on my channel talking about just being selfish and not selfish in the sense of like, if you don't play, you're going to be pissed or so that you're selfish in your own development that you're going to go out there and work as hard as you possibly can. You don't care if you're, you, there's a party that you have to go to, you have to miss uh, because you have to get your proper nutrition. You don't want to drink on the night before a game, or you don't want to drink because you're, you know, you're coming back from an injury, things like that. So being very, very selfish to, you know, have accountability in your own development. So that's what I would say. And I think that's the biggest reason how, why some people develop with solo training and some people kind of stay the same in average. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the fact that doing service and a lot of people say, okay, well, I don't know what else to do other than hit balls because I don't have a partner. Hmm. Uh, one of the great things is that nowadays there's these little things called rebounders. And, but here's the thing, you got to make sure that, that it's not an artificial environment. You got to make sure that those rebounders are giving you the service that's going to be realistic to the game. And so Patrick, I know you've done a lot of work with rebounders, you know, in the past in regards to making them more game realistic. So what's some of the advice that you give people out there that don't have a partner to give them service? Well, I, I just want to reference uh, an interesting story that I, that I just remembered. So before we had rebounders, which I, I know Omar can remember this and Michael can too, we didn't used to have rebounders. So, 
I built a rebounder in my garage in the middle of winter that was made out of a small trampoline and it was secured against the wall. And I would spend hours in my garage uh, working on footwork and throwing the ball as hard as I could against this rebounder and working on my hands. And dude, you should have patented that. I know. You'd be like right? a billionaire right now. Are you kidding me? <laughs> the first rebounder. Dang it. <laughs> no, I, I'm sure somebody was already on that. Um, but I just didn't know about it. And I mean, stuff like that is there's just there's a place that you can go in your head too uh that that fortifies that fortifies you in moments when you need strength when your team needs strength when when things seem tough um you know it's it's moments like that that i was able to draw on it's like how bad do you want it like i mean a lot of it comes down to that and um, like Michael said, that's when I was, when I was younger, all I had was that I wanted it. And, um, and I knew that there was kids out there that were in academies and, and doing things that were bigger than what I was doing at the time. And I knew that I could outwork every single one of those kids. So my focus was to just do that because that was in my control. And you got to find out, you got to figure out what's in your control and you got to do that because it's just going to come down to how bad do you want it? Yeah, Omar. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the useful tools and equipment uh, that, that aren't built uh, in a garage uh, by Patrick because I don't have those skills uh, in any way whatsoever. I mean, dude, I would have been so lost if I was, like, if, if I was you. I just wouldn't have been like, oh, I guess I don't know. I guess I'll go play lacrosse or something. I guess there's no way for this to happen for me. <laughs> in any way whatsoever. Um, but now there are a lot of tools. And I think a lot of times we see a lot of training sessions, especially on Instagram, uh, where a lot of tools are just being utilized just to throw them out there. And just to show like, look at me, I've got these tools, I've got these, this equipment. Um, so what are some useful tools and equipment to train solo? Omar, by the way, just to, to give some of the people out there listening who, who may not be aware has a fantastic solo training program that took you about what a year to develop <laughs> it took me like three months to like oh, plan okay. it all out film i had to actually dive and get back out there so that's the reason why it took forever um <laughs> but i think no i think the rebounder is, is definitely a a good piece of equipment to use and i think uh whether that's you know you're, you're tossing it off to work on crosses or cross taking and then crossing or catching the ball and then running to the 18 and doing a, a side ball. So kind of layering uh, different topics in one uh, or, you know, what I used to do is I'd put like kind of like a rope uh, just to kind of work on my, my parallel diving. Um, just to, I mean, I have it in my program. So I just throw it off the rebounder and then just kind of try and get my legs over the rope at the same time to catch the ball. So it gave you a nice sit, not safe environment, but it gave you a controlled environment where you can actually work on the technique. Um, obviously having stationary ladders, I think that's, I mean, it's been there forever, but I think that's super, uh, super huge to work on uh, quick feet, footwork. Um, and I mean, honestly, for me, those are really just the two that I, that I personally would use just because if you want to simulate at least getting a shot or just to work on, uh, uh, you know, diving in a sense, a rebounder is huge. Uh, so those two, and if you want, you can also get like dummies and infl like uh, inflatable dummies that you can also work on crosses as well. So you can kind of put all these into, uh, into one session at the same time. And I think that's, that's if you're, 
not a part of a team and you just want to get that, that extra work. Um, but for the most part, what I've seen people do is for, for rebounders is to kind of throw it off and simulate like a catch and then counterattack. I think that's like the main use for that. And then obviously sometimes if you want to work on some basic diving, basic diving technique, that's also very useful. So I would say those three, the dummy, uh, the, uh, the ladder and the uh, rebounder. Also, make sure that you do 600 takes of yourself doing that side volley and then putting it up on Instagram. That's uh, Law of averages, baby. Law of averages. One of those 600 is going to be fresh. Um, all right. So let's, let's talk a little bit about before, before we move on from here. Um, what are some sample sessions? Uh, Omar, I, I know we want people to buy your program. So, you know, I know you don't want to give away the, uh, <laughs> the recipe online. So maybe I'll ask Patrick if he's, if you got some sample sessions out there just, uh, to give people some little tidbits uh, that could work well. Well, listen for, for me, and I only have my own experiences here in, in this regard to draw on. So for me, it was always the legs feed the wolf. So if I could get my footwork, my, um, my jumping capabilities, the things that would carry me to where I needed to go, then I could always focus on those things instead of needing, say, a service partner or, um, you know, whatever it was. If I could get quicker, if I could get stronger, if I could jump higher and run faster, then, then I could be better. And that, that was my approach. Um, and if you don't have you don't have somebody who can hit you a soccer ball. Um, I mean, that's a good approach. Uh, also, I can't, I can't tell you how many times I, I was in racquetball courts because the racquetball court, you can pass the ball against the wall and the wall passes back. And I mean, that works on a lot of different levels. You can volley it against the wall and work on your hands. You can, you can use tennis balls throw them as hard as you can against the wall, work on your hand-eye coordination. There's, there's a lot of things that can be done. So it's, um, I feel like I just, I just trailed off. No, 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 dude. I mean, the, the racquetball court is, is a great thing. Uh, Cause I, I actually used to do the racquetball court thing and it was uh, actually cause a, a pro had, had taught me that he'd said, he's like, yeah, going into a racquetball court. Um, when I played in Europe, you know, we would use racquetball courts all the time. It's obviously the environment's a little bit colder and stuff. You can't train, you know, full, full time out, out in the season, you know, uh, probably Robert, you know, uh, Robert, uh, in Iceland can attest <laughs> to that, uh, that it, that it's very difficult. So I, I think the racquetball court is, is fantastic. And, uh, you know, obviously, um, I think that the number one thing to make sure when you're doing all of this is that you're doing it in a way that every time you're gain, you're making gains. And, uh, you know, we talked to, to Jesse, you know, Goldman from, uh, from goal line, uh, performance. That is part of solo training is going out there. And, and like you were talking about the legs, you know, feel, feeding the wolf is working on that, that lower trunk air, uh, you know, training, uh, sports performance related. Um, Omar even talked about this, you know, when he was younger, that was something that he didn't focus on until he got older and he wished he had focused on a little bit more, uh, because it, it could have helped. Him, um, I don't want to say that he made mistakes, but it, it might have helped him uh, get to a certain level at a, a little quicker than it took. You know? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that's uh, taking care of your body and, and kind of investing in your body is, is huge. And for, again, for me, like just getting from where I was to uh, from younger, the younger days to the Galaxy Academy, things like that. We did work every once in a while where we did like athletes' performance and, and workouts together as a team, but 
for the most part, like I said, you have to kind of be selfish with your own development. I knew, I knew my teammates back then. Some of them would go to the gym all the time, uh, have protein shakes after training, uh, really eat well, look after the nutrition. They didn't drink, they didn't smoke, they didn't do any of that stuff. And those guys ended up being, you know, big time players. Uh, so I, in my head, I'm just like, damn, like I really wish I had kind of had that wherewithal and those, the, that two cents back in the day to, to understand that that's where, and that's what the, the pros do. And that kind of the, uh, the habits that you have to kind of develop now at a young age and to everyone listening, young kids, old kids, goalkeeper coaches, whatever you got to do, try and instill that into yourself now. Uh, cause even myself, I'm having a hard time now with my diet, just being consistent with it because I didn't have those good habits growing up. So do that now. And I promise you, either your body will change and you know, your game will change, or at least your game will change one of the two. Yeah. So uh, bottom line guys is just, just follow everything that Omar and Patrick said, disregard everything I just said. And you guys are going to do <laughs> fantastic with your solo training. Speaking of guys that have uh, done really well with their solo training because they've gotten to this elite level, uh, the U S men's national team roster just came out and uh, they've just announced uh, their roster for the upcoming friendlies against uh, Uruguay and Mexico. And uh, a lot of surprises on this, uh, this roster. I'm not going to lie. Not what I expected. Um, we got Zach Steffen from Dusseldorf. Uh, everyone expected that. I, I think he's the, right now the clear-cut consensus number one for the U.S. I don't think anyone's arguing that. Uh, then we got Brad Guzan, as, as Omar has been talking about. He's, uh, he's had a very solid season with Atlanta United, who's uh, really been on the up-and-up uh, lately. And uh, you know, shout-outs to them for, uh, for winning uh, U.S. Open Cup final. Um, but then we got Sean Johnson and Jesse Gonzalez, which, uh, you know, there's, there's a toss-up here. No Ethan Horvath. Obviously, he lost his job to Mignolet uh, over at Bruges, which is affecting, you know, his performance because he can't get on the field. And, uh, and Jesse Gonzalez is back in the mix, which we haven't seen in a while. So let, let's, let's dive into this roster here, guys. How do, how do we feel? Well, Jesse Gonzalez is interesting for me. Um, you know, I haven't been following him closely enough to know exactly what kind of form he's in. but Overall, I think, you know, I think Zach, Zach Stefan and uh, Brad Guzan, I, those, are, those are two guys that are on a little bit different level for me. Um, you know, Sean Johnson has been in and out of the mix for a long time. I think he's been on a really good string of form and, hey, power to him. Yeah, I think, uh, so for me, it's, it's kind of looking at the big, big picture and looking at the last few years, I would give Jesse Gonzalez the nod in the sense of I've, I've kind of been rooting for him to get into the national team, but unfortunately the last few games that he's played, like, I think he, I think they played against Houston Dynamo like four, three, four weeks ago. And I think three of the goals that he conceded were all his fault. Like they were like, you can't really argue it from the eye test, the optics, like it, it would, they were his, they were his fault. And I think, you know, a lot of the what what's been what has been said about him is that he's still a little bit immature. Um, he still lacks a little bit of just kind of like that game management in a sense. With you know when you see with the older guys like Brad Guzan, he's done a lot longer. But what those guys kind of have, and those guys like the the franchise, not quarterbacks, but franchise goalkeepers in a sense. Jesse Gonzalez has kind of been that chosen one for FC Dallas for a while now. So I'm kind of hoping he turns a corner, and I'm hoping that him you know getting picked up to the national team like this and coming into camp will be kind of not a turning point, but for him, but I think it's going to be a stable for him to kind of go, you know what? Okay. I have a standard that I need to meet and continue to, to perform at. And I hope that'll kind of straighten him out a little bit. Uh, Sean Johnson, again, you know, New York city FC is, is just right behind Atlanta United and Philadelphia union. So uh, they're only a point behind and he's kind of been on a tear in a sense. I think he's had a few, a uh, few good games. He's also him and Raguzan's distribution, I think would 
would probably be up there as, as some of the best in terms of um, improvement. The last two years, I think those guys have really taken their game to the next level. Um, as you can see with New York City FC, they like to play out of the back as well. And I think, you know, to have a goalkeeper like that, you kind of have to do that solo training. You have to kind of go out and do uh, work that you may not be comfortable with and you may have to kind of be okay with it looking crappy for the first few times you do it. But those guys have really shown a lot of uh, maturity and a lot of improvement to kind of just say, you know what, I know I'm not, I know I'm not good at this and I kind of have to, you know, have longevity in my career. So I'm going to go out there and work on it. So I think those two, I'm happy that they got it. And of course, Zach Steffen. I mean, it's Zach Steffen. I think he's going to be our number one for the foreseeable future. And I think he's earned it. Um, but we'll see. It's going to be an interesting camp. And I hope those guys can kind of learn something. The younger guys can kind of learn something from Brad. Um, and then Stefan can kind of just hold it down because you know, we, got, we got two huge games. You know, I, I'm actually a little, little surprised that Tyler Miller didn't get I, – I thought that Tyler Miller was going to take it. And I don't know if it's because, you know, LAFC is trying to win that supporter shield and, and they, you know, they want to want to keep that nice and tight. Although they're, what, like 40,000 points ahead? Dude, their first. goal difference – I think it was Unreal. Galaxy or whoever's in second has an, like a one or a negative one goal difference. They're at like 44. Yeah. It's, it's pretty ridiculous. But honestly, I mean, look, if, if I'm being very honest, when Tyler Miller was out, I think, with the U.S. national team at the Gold Cup, uh, Cisniega came in. And he, like, they didn't skip a beat. I mean, I'm sure they're, I mean, I know they're very, very good. They have a great back four and, uh, you know, a great team at the moment. Number one, going to win the Supporters' Shield by, by a long shot. But, um, man, like, Cisniega was a baller back there. And LAFC, I mean, you could have probably said, you know what? If Talamada doesn't come back the rest of the year, we're going to be okay with him, with, with him not playing. So, I think, you know, they, they have two really competent goalkeepers back there. And then, I mean, I know we're going to get to his performance against the Galaxy, but because I'm a Galaxy fan, I'm okay with his performance in that sense. But I think yeah. he, he could have done better on some of those goals. And I know we'll get into it later. But I think that's probably, that, that could be the reason why. All right, well, so let's, uh, let's, let's kind of move on into MLS right now, uh, unless we have anything else we want to add to the, the U.S. roster. Uh, one last thing I will just say is that Greg Berhalter is looking for goalkeepers that fit his system. He's not necessarily looking for the best goalkeepers uh, in the U.S. pool. He's looking for guys that, that can play his system and that are going to work with that back line that he's got out there. And it looks like right now, you know, John Brooks is back. You know, he's been in great form if he stays healthy. I really hope he, he stays healthy. Um, I mean, I'm, well, I'm excited about this roster. Sergino Dest is being brought. I think he might be the next left back for the United States, but obviously there's a goalkeeping podcast. So we'll leave that to total soccer show and the cool games and all the other, uh, just straight regular soccer podcasts to talk about, uh, out there. Um, so let's, let's get into MLS here. And, uh, you know, if, do we want to talk El Trafico or, or, or is, is that, is that, is that kind of so far in the past, you know, that was on past Sunday or is there anything we want to add here? Um, I know people have been critical of David Bingham's game. Uh, in regards to some of the decision-making that he does for the LA Galaxy. Obviously, he's got some great strengths as well, too. Um, guys, do we want to get into this game, or do we want to skip it? Quick, I think. It's like okay. Just a note or two. I think uh, the first okay. goal, I don't think, I don't think Tyler Miller could have really done anything about that. I think it was just such a good shot from Zlatan. Like, I mean, the guy put it in the only place that Tyler Miller probably couldn't get it, and it, like almost kissed the post, so I, I won't say anything about that. Uh, second goal, Pat, I don't know if you saw what I saw, but I think, you know, uh, when, uh, Pavon was coming in, it looked like he was going to curl it to the far post. And I'm, I'm pretty sure Tyler was already leaning over that way. And then obviously when he got hit near post, it was really, really difficult for him to, to change course. I don't know if you saw that too. You know, unfortunately, and I, I really like Tyler as a goalkeeper and as a person. Um, but I felt the two, the first two goals were avoidable and, uh, I mean, you always hear the, the, the age old stereotype is don't get beat on your near post. 
But what I saw in Tyler's positioning is that he was pretty heavy on his far post. I mean, pretty heavy expecting that that ball was going to be hit across the face of goal. And if it was, he would have had it. But you can't make a gamble like that because it's a lot easier to put that ball in the near post right there than it is to hit a quality shot across the face of goal. Um, And what I saw in the second one is not only cheating, but he's unbalanced. And from where, if I'm looking at this from his perspective and I'm not in his shoes, I don't know exactly what he's seeing, what he's going through and all of that. But what I'm seeing is there's two guys that if this guy goes far post, that ball is going to hit those two guys that are standing there. The only play that this guy, the, that the attacking player has is to put that on a near post. So for me, although it looks like he's going to try to curl at near post, the only real thing that he has is that near post. And once again, I feel like he was maybe just a foot, a foot to a yard in the wrong spot and got unbalanced. And, and that's the result. This is, this is why I love having Patrick here because like I've never played in major league soccer and played in front of 40,000 people and been in that situation. And, and Patrick has. And so one thing I, I want all the kids out there to hear and all the Instagram trolls out there to hear too, is how humble Patrick was about that is like, I don't know what he saw as opposed to, cause Omar, you get this all the time on your channel. You get people just saying, Oh man, that dude's weak. That did blah, blah, blah. I should have blah, 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 or whatever. We can look, we can, we can microanalyze all we want, but when, until you're actually in that specific situation, actually seeing it from their point of view, we really don't know. Everything Absolutely. changes. Everything changes when you're, when you're in that spot on that field. I mean, these are human beings too. Like they, they go through stuff like your dog dying, you know, like there's, there's things that happen that can affect performance. And luckily for most of us, stepping on the field is kind of a, um, is a safe haven where you can forget everything that's going on in your life. Um, and I don't, I, I'm not saying anything's going on with Tyler, but this is, um, you know, it's just unfortunate that those two goals happen the way they did. And sometimes the pressure and whatever it is, is, is enough to, um, to make you just one step, one step off. I want to ask you a quick question. So in your playing career, and I'm sure, you know, just, just growing up, do you feel like, I mean, in my opinion, I feel like when I played as well, the pressure to like make this amazing save or this top drawer save or, you know, cheat a little bit early to, to make the save easier for yourself. I feel like sometimes the pressure and, and whether it's social media or, or coaches or your teammates saying it, I feel like sometimes that pressure can kind of cause you to start cheating or leaning over and start misreading the game. That's kind of out of, out of character for yourself. And I feel like that's kind of yep. maybe what happened with Tyler here. Um, he kind of, with the pressure of the big game and the pressure of, playing against Zlatan and, you know, obviously all the context that comes with the game, uh, like El Trafico, I think that's, that kind of gets thrown in there. Do you feel like there, there were certain games in your career that you stepped in and went, okay, today I have to make a big time save and that kind of, you know, screwed up your, your rhythm? Yeah, for sure. I mean, through the course of my career, there was plenty of those games where uh, I think the only thing you can really focus on, especially when you get to a level like MLS or, or above, you have to focus on, the immediate moment task second at hand 
And if you're anywhere else, if you're anywhere else, that, that ball is going in the net because those attackers are paid three times as much money as you to make sure that ball goes in the net. And that if you're, if you exactly, if, if there's a pressure to, if you feel a pressure to make a big save to end up on ESPN, like making a big save, if that's, if that's where your head is, then your head is not in that moment. And it's not about making that save. A save that maybe is an easy save that all of a sudden is, oh crap, you know, I'm on not top 10 now. <laughs> don't the, want to be on that not yeah. top 10. <laughs> that's for sure. That's the funny part too, is that people who are watching the game, whether it's just like a regular spectator or somebody who just watches the, uh, the front 11 uh, or front 10, like they don't really understand when, when it comes down to us goalkeepers. And then when we watch it, we're very like, you know, analytical about it and like not critical in a sense of we're blaming the goalkeeper only on rare occasions that kind of happens. But other times it's like, usually like, how can we get down to the technical aspect when really the commentator is like, wow, what a finish. But for us, it's like, ah, <laughs> let's take a step back here. Let's oh. really figure out what's up, what's going on. Okay. And I, and I don't want to stay on the negative here because I, there were obviously some, again, like some good attributes on David Bingham's game and, and Al Trafico in regards to, I mean, his, his long form distribution is really on point. I mean, his, his connection with, with Zlatan, with Pavon, with all those guys up top is, is, is really, really solid. Um, but, uh, I, I've always been a little critical of his decision-making and, and I'm personally, I want to know what you guys thought about that second goal. And uh, if, if you guys want to, you know, kind of give the picture kind of to the audience, uh, but I believe that this is the ball that was coming across box and he kind of tried to box it and uh, he kind of got a little bit of fingertips to it. And then uh, it was kind of an easy finish from there. I think that was the, that was the first one. Oh, was that the first goal? Okay. Yeah. Blessing was the one he like dribbled around him for the second one. Yes, yes, yes. That's, that's right. That one, there's not much you can do about that. Um, Unless you're Patrick, in which case you just like body slam him. Yeah. And, and <laughs> Blessing never comes in again. So. Unfortunately, I would would try to body slam him, <laughs> and he'd probably dribble around me too. Um, but <laughs> as far as these things go, like, and as far as David Bingham specifically goes, uh, I've definitely been critical of him in the past. And this game is one of those situations where I truly felt like dang, man, you're just unlucky this game. Like, I thought he made some really big saves and um, the one that he deflected, you know, you're just trying to get anything on that. You're and, talking about the Vela Perry uh, into the good space that he did? It was like early in the first half, right? Yeah, no, I, I meant the, uh, the, the goal. Oh, the goal, okay, yeah, gotcha. So he touches that and, and your goal is to, to touch that. There shouldn't, there shouldn't be some unmarked dude on your back post right there like, if nobody's around, that's a great parry because that's going, you know, straight, straight out of bounds. And this dude just happened to be there. And yeah, sometimes that's how it happens and that sucks. But ultimately I thought from what I saw of the game, he was pretty strong. I know you're obviously a little bit biased, Omar, considering you are a galaxy supporter and you played in the <laughs> galaxy system, but, uh, you know, I know you've been a little critical of Bingham in the past as well too. Um, and, uh, I mean, this is, this is the most pro bring them. I think I've, 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 I was, I'm actually a little surprised. And, uh, and now I kind of feel like the jerk, uh, in this entire conversation <laughs> nah. here. Um, you're professor goalkeeping. Do you feel the same way as, as Patrick there? Yeah, I think he got very unlucky in a lot of situations. I mean, if you really break down that goal specifically, uh, he does a really good job of honoring the cross. He cross steps all the way. He has that fast approach, slow arrival. He gets set. 
the header comes across the goal. The only thing that's funny about Bingham sometimes and like why people may like criticize him is that like his diving sometimes is like very unorthodox. So when he does a save or he like makes a mistake, you're just like, what the heck was that? When really, if let's say De Gea or somebody else would have just like let themselves like dive parallel and tip it and that would have led to the goal like that, they probably would have been like, oh, it's very unlucky. But if you really rewatch the save, it was so like the way his body fell, like it was so unnatural and like not like goalkeeper technique, like down to the like down to the dot, the dot or whatever whatever they say. Yeah, he's not uh, watching the pro GK breakdown. I I got it. <laughs> he could probably do my page ten times better. But I mean, like when you see that and you're just like, oh, okay, that looked really funny. Like I don't know why he did that, and then it leads to a goal. You're like, oh, okay. You kind of like you can't really they're not mutually exclusive. You can't really like you can't really think one without the other. Um, but I agree with Pat though. I think a lot of the goals he was just really unlucky. And if you watch that entire second half, like I thank God that Carlos Vela was taken off because if without him they they had like seven eight chances that were right on the <laughs> right on the goal line that they could have easily scored. But with Carlos Vela, it probably would have been like ten or twelve. So that was thank weird, you, Bob right? Right, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm happy Bob Bradley made that decision. Yes, his hamstring was good. Was <laughs> give. Thank you for taking him out. I really do appreciate that. And thankfully for us, we can keep ourselves in that second place spot and uh, just behind well, that. Well, you know, I'm, as Bob Bradley, you know, it's like it's football and, you know, it's an entire long season. We're trying to win the supporter shield. So, uh, you know, to, to save, <laughs> it's one game. It's one game. So, the terrible oh, yeah. Bob Bradley. Uh, he's got, I'm terrified of Bob Bradley, by the way. I saw him at a, at Showcase once, and everyone's like, hey, there's Bob, there's Bob, and everyone starts walking towards him. I'm like, I don't want to be anywhere near that. He seems very intimidating. He's a pretty intense dude. Yeah. <laughs> he seems like, oh, did you ever meet, did you ever meet Bob? For sure. Oh, yeah. Man. Oh, man. <laughs> I like Patrick's like, he just went to a dark place. I'm like, okay. <laughs> no, he's just, he, I mean, he just looks like he can, he can look through you. Yeah. He's got, he's got these like bright blue eyes and he's just like, he's a white, he's a white walker. <laughs> he's essentially a white walker is what you're saying. <laughs> Bob Bradley, the white dude, if someone can Photoshop Bob Bradley as a white walker, I swear I will give you like a hundred dollar. I guarantee you Bleacher Report will do that when, if, if let's say they win the league or they get to the final or something like that, they're going to, they're going to probably do that. And yeah. if not, I might do it. We'll see. Uh, all right. All right. So let's, let's, let's move on here. You were talking about De Gea. I don't think De Gea is coming to MLS anytime soon. Um, but usually goalkeepers, when there are imports from, from other leagues coming into MLS, they usually, uh, I'm going to use uh, one of Patrick's uh, favorite uh, phrases, hot garbage. Uh, and uh, that is not the case with Vito Minone. Uh, the Italian, 31-year-old Italian, has been killing it for Minnesota United uh, this year. This is arguably the best Minnesota team ever. Uh, that they've had since they've been in an MLS. And uh, my gosh, guys, is he a, is he a kind of a dark horse for MLS goalkeeper of the year? I think he's been really strong. I mean, there's been very few situations where I've been, you know, watching the highlights or whatever, where I've been like, Oh yeah, that's not good. I mean, he's been, he's been really strong throughout. So usually when a guy's like that, then they're, they're up for it. I mean, they're up for keeper of the year for sure. Yeah, Omar. Uh, I, I honestly, I watched last night's game. They played in the uh, U.S. Open Cup final against Atlanta at Atlanta. And Atlanta was up 1-0. And then I think Minnesota uh, scored in the 47th minutes, like right when the second half started. And I think uh, Atlanta scored again. But uh, to keep it at 2-1, to one, he made like three or four saves that were unreal. And I mean, I think Atlanta got a red card towards the end of the game and, and Minnesota still almost scored. But uh, to me, again, when you watch it in that context of like, you're kind of, you're away from home in front of almost 40,000 people in a final, your team is down, you know, yeah, oh, 72,000. It was, there was 35 yesterday. 
Oh, okay. Oh, really? okay. Yeah, oh, dude, it, it still looked like it, it looked like it was 70. <laughs> like, it, it looked like it was packed. Um, but no, she, so he makes like two or three amazing, amazing saves to keep Minnesota in it. Uh, they missed a shot in like the 92nd minute right on the doorstep, they, uh, right over the bar. So you see that kind of stuff, and you're like, damn, I, for him, I was really rooting for him. So that coupled with obviously his most recent form where Minnesota is, is like an, almost like a like five-way tie now for, for second place in the, in the Western Conference. Uh, it's, it's night and day compared to last year. Um, I've, I've mentioned on the podcast before, Sir Alex Ferguson one time was talking about uh, Peter Schmeichel, and he was just saying that uh, a good goalkeeper in the EPL should save you 15 points a season. And those 15 points are going to keep you in the top four or fighting for the, for, you know, the league title. So I think when it comes to Vito Minone this year, I think he saved Minnesota United probably a good 10 to 12 points. And like Pat said, when you're in that kind of form and you're doing that well, uh, you have to be in consideration. So I think you and I, Mike, were a little bit, not critical, but we were kind of like... Oh, no, we were critical. I was critical when he came into the league uh, because but for I different thought, reasons. For different yeah, reasons, yeah. I, I just, I, my, my personal thought, and I know, Patrick, you know, we've, we've had this discussion off, off camera before our own in regards to, you know, the money spent. And, you know, when you bring in an, an international, is it that, is, are they going to be that much better than what you can get domestically? Is it worth taking that money and giving it to somebody to come from overseas rather than giving it to a young American kid, you know, who's, who's here. And, and, and I'm not trying to be, you know, uh, xenophobic in any way or anything like that, but it's, it's more of the matter of practicality because you've got a limited amount of money that's available to you unless you're going to make a goalkeeper a DP, which is very rare to do that. But, uh, but what, I've been, what I've been really impressed about him is his aggressiveness coming off his line, but it's been controlled aggressiveness, uh, a controlled aggression. Basically, he's very confident coming out outside of his six. Um, and, and I don't see that a lot in MLS. I don't see a lot of guys that are that comfortable coming outside of their six and really taking control uh, of an in-swinging ball or an out-swinging ball and, 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 and making a really good decision on those. Yeah, I think, uh, I think a lot of us too, when we heard that he was coming here, was kind of that kind of very similar... Similar story to Carlo Cudicini. I'm sure we all remember him. Or not really. His, his, stint, his stint here in the MLS was very, very short. And uh, I had some ears and eyes in the uh, ears and eyes, eyes and ears in the Galaxy organization. They told me a lot of the stuff that was going down there when he was there. And it was almost like a sense of entitlement, a sense of him being at Chelsea for so long behind Petr Cech that it was his time to come here. Everybody should bow down to him. And unfortunately, you still have to you know, get results. You still have to be good. And that was kind of my worry, aside from like Dane St. Clair being picked up by Minnesota United in the draft and blah, 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 blah. He didn't get to play, whatever. And they bring this guy in and I'm like, oh, crap. Like, I really hope he's not another Carlo Cudicini. He comes in and actually takes this league very seriously. And it looks like he has. So I'm, I'm really happy that he has. Yeah, I, I, I know you as an Arsenal supporter we also had a little soft spot for him. So I know, did. There's that. Yeah, for him, and then uh, my man at West Ham, uh, Fabianski, and then uh, a little bit for Chesney, just a little bit. He was he was a funny guy at Arsenal when he was there, but I'm happy to see him at Juve, yeah, at Juve now killing it. So I'm happy for all those guys, and they, they all came in and uh, did what they needed to do for the club. So You're just going to have to do an entire uh, breakdown of every former Arsenal goalkeeper that has come through the Arsenal <laughs> system and why and why why they're so good mainly because they've been wearing red and white in the past um all right uh yeah. bef before we finish off let's uh, let's get into nwsl right now i want to give a shout out to first off nwsl their new deal with espn is is killer uh the fact that i'm able to watch these games so easily is just awesome i just absolutely love it uh record crowds this weekend for orlando versus washington spirit uh what a game 
unreal game. Uh, both Aubrey Bledsoe and Ashlyn Harris had had great games. Uh, I think Ashlyn Harris had about five saves. Uh, Aubrey didn't have that many saves to come up with, but she came up huge when she had to. Um, but let's first talk about Ashlyn Harris and the cut inside early in the game. Uh, and then the crystal Thomas slots that ball inside. Do you guys personally have issues with goalkeepers cutting the ball inside on the pass back? Not if you can get away with it, <laughs> right. man, she made a meal of that. That was yeah. bad. You know, I've, I've been in those situations and I probably played my way off of teams because I don't, want to do that in those situations and i i can't tell you how often guys and girls get caught when they when they take that ball across you think you have just a second more than you do and it's so easy to for for an attacker to 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 change that moment and change the trajectory of that game and it for me it's just such a it's just such an unfortunate giveaway like Orlando needs points too. Like that team is not doing well this year. So that's like a really unfortunate situation in that regard. Obviously, Sean Johnson had a similar situation happen to him. There's been actually quite a few goalkeepers that have had it. Um, some, some really shocking ones. Yeah. But, uh, but obviously she came up big later on. So I don't want to really like, you know, degrade Ashlyn Harris. She's a fantastic goalkeeper and came up with some phenomenal saves afterwards. I'm just more talking about just the fact is that like, I just personally... And, and I, I know, Patrick, what you're talking about is like how you may have played yourself off teams by doing that. I'm, I'm always about, you know, risk versus reward, versus risk versus reward, especially early on in a game like that. You know, what, what are you going to gain from that? Zero. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's uh, I have two points to make. The first is ever since the Women's World Cup, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but like every team is playing high press now. Like even in college, like the last few games we've been playing, every team is playing high press. Everyone's trying to get the ball back, trying to play that Pep Guardiola style where you lose it, you run straight to the ball kind of a thing. So goalkeepers now, their, their clock is a lot shorter than it used to be. So maybe Ashton Harris uh, is still getting used to that. But at the same time too, man, another side note, we talk about, you know, curfews and partying. This, this, this woman has been partying for the last like two months straight. I follow her on social media. I follow her on Instagram, watching her story. She was at the VMAs hanging out with Cardi B, hanging out with Adriana Lima, like hanging out with all these famous people with her and her wife who were there. Uh, it's just like, to me, I, how serious is she still taking this this gig? Like, I don't know if she's still, I'm sure she's still being professional, but like she's out and about. I don't know if she's drinking. I don't know if she's having having a good time. Like not a, not you know, to me about her personal life, but I'm seeing all this stuff. I'm like, damn, how are you able to balance the two? So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's funny to you know, be able to have that access to the, to the athlete now. Well, I mean, she's pulling the Rob Gronkowski. Uh, that's that's what she's doing. Um, <laughs> although she's not retiring before thirty, so you know she's she's still going. But she had a great game. I'm mean, honestly, there was a great save in the twenty six on a, on a, a low driven header. Um, she had a great parry. She was in good. She's in good positions uh, for the most part. Like I said, I mean, she ended up with five pretty solid saves. I mean, she had a big, big hand uh, from yeah. the play by Bailey uh, Bailey Feist. Um, I mean, that ball was a rocket just coming at her, and that was late in the game too. Um, Let's talk about our friend, uh, Aubrey. Um, I, I love Aubrey, uh, and Patrick, uh, for you, for you to get a little backstory here. Uh, we've had Aubrey on the show before. Um, and she's just awesome. She's awesome. She's a great goalkeeper. And, and I think honestly, she's a front runner for a goalkeeper of the year in NWSL this year. Um, let's talk about these two, these two saves first great point blank save in the 70th on the first off, Allie Krieger. What a service into the box to Rachel Hill. <laughs> Um, that was a, that was a point blank, uh, service, uh, the header driven down. And 
I don't know how she saved that, but I think it got caught in between her legs right there, but that was pretty unreal. Yeah. That was a, that was a big time save. She, she came across well, got big. And one of the situations where you just kind of make yourself as big as possible as you come across the goal and her trailing hand got a big, big she got a big hand on it. Uh, the ball fell obviously in a good spot for, for the, the scoop on the rebound. But uh, again, that was, I mean, that good right place, right time, but at the same time it's positioning. I think she did a good job of covering the, uh, the box well and got to uh, the, the rebound right after. Patrick, is it, how difficult is it at the professional level to deal with that low driven header coming at you like that? I mean, it's, it's tough at every level, right? Um, what I'd say about that is there's so many times when you, you do all the right things and it just doesn't, it just doesn't go off for you. And uh, it's really, it's great to see um, when a goalkeeper does all the right things and then has a great save to show for it and a game-changing save at that um, because those it, it's very determined uh, I mean it's very it's the word I'm looking for uh, it's okay Omar I'll just edit yeah, it yeah. no no one even know. no problem <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, based on how how slick the field is how long the grass is like when when the ball's headed down these are all factors and obviously that's why you go through your warm-ups and you get used to the game and that sort of thing but these all these all play a, these these things play a factor and if you don't get it just inch perfect then it's in the net you know yeah now not only did she come up with that one but she came up with the one in extra time which this was another unreal one i mean this was right off the line and poor rachel hill she just must be like what what do i have to do to score on aubrey blood so i just can't do it another great service in um and literally the ball's coming a low driven ball and and Bledsoe's literally able to palm the ball off the line and just kind of like push it away. It wasn't even like a parry. It was more of just like push and, and, and one of those David De Gea reach back behind you and, and pull the ball away uh, uh, saves. And, uh, you know, I think that's one of the great things about Aubrey is that she's able to improvise uh, within the within the structure of the scene work, uh, for, to use an acting term, because, uh, you know, Patrick is a burgeoning movie star uh, right here in front of me. <laughs> and, uh, and um you know, as opposed to being mechanical and being robotic and being like, well, this is uh, technically, this is not clean, then it's not going to happen for me, you know, type of thing. And you just finding a way to make it happen. And I know you've been big about that, uh, you know, in your career. And also when talking to young goalkeepers. Yeah. Ultimately, what do you got to, you, you do what you got to do to make the save. And if you're doing that, then I mean, nobody's going to question uh, it. When these younger keepers get in their head about, uh, the right mechanics and the right movement. And I, I think that's great stuff to think about during training. But the second you get to the game, you got to do whatever you got to do in that moment. And it's just got to come, it's got to come naturally. And you, you know, you, you set yourself up for success when you do the right things in training. Um, but ultimately if you have to make a save where you're, you're doing a bicycle kick off the line, like, do what you got to do. Dude, to I would love to make a bicycle kick off the line as a save. That would be incredible. Omar, can you train that at Cal State LA? <laughs> <laughs> Run back to your line. <laughs> Don't even use your hands as a bicycle. Dude, you know uh, somebody right now is going to put that up on Instagram. I'm not kidding you. Yeah. They're going to hear this and they're going to be like, that's a great idea. I'm gonna Honestly, start it's, it's a public service announcement to everybody who does content on social media. Stop using the slow motion. Like it's honestly getting out of hand. Like everybody, honestly, I one time I filmed a commercial for, for Trevor. And I filmed it where I did a slow-mo and even my old ass, like I look good 
from with slow motion. And I was just like, wow, I can't believe that people are getting away with this fraud. I, I posted it and I, people were like, oh, you still got it. I'm like, dude, if only you saw the actual raw footage, how slow I actually was to make that save. Slow motion makes everybody look good. So I think I'm pretty sure, sure I could go back there and do like a, a light sprint and do a bicycle kick off the line in slow-mo and make it look fantastic. So, uh, but yeah. <laughs> Also, Loki, I think Audrey, uh, Audrey, Aubrey Bledsoe is like, if she's not on the, on the Olympic team next year, like, I don't know what. It's a travesty. It Absolute is. Travesty. She, dude, she's the best goalkeeper, I, I think, in, not in the world, because I mean, she, there's still what, like, people who hold rank on that, but I think she is probably one of the best women goalkeepers in the world. And her, like, ability to improvise in situations, like, uh, Pat, I know you know this, like, the, at the next level, a lot of goalkeepers are very similar in their, in their tutelage of what they can offer uh, in terms of, like, the bare minimum of what, what you have to be at the, uh, at the professional level. Good with your feet, uh, clean with the hands, uh, you know, have good timing, good decision-making, and all that stuff. But there's going to be certain goalkeepers who really be, ascend themselves and become the number ones of the team because they have that special one or two uh, qualities that really put them ahead of the, of, the, of the goalkeepers they're competing against. And I feel like she's just such a good shot stopper. She has great feet. Um, and she just knows how to improvise really well. And she makes those amazing saves other goalkeepers otherwise probably wouldn't even do. And you wouldn't even blame them for not making the save. You'd be like, oh, okay, that's a, great, that's a great goal. But when she makes those saves, like we've, I've, I've become accustomed to it. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's making those uh, look easy. So... I think that's where I think she can really help the U.S. and and kind of become that X factor for us in the Olympics next year. We're, we're just so darn deep in the U.S. <laughs> women's goalkeeper pool. It's just, I mean, it really is. We're Naylor just is yeah. unreal too. Yeah. I mean, um, I call that you know, and it's super cliche, but I call that the X factor. It's it's the goalkeepers who can change the course of a game because a, a save like that changes the momentum for your team. A save like that you know, you don't necessarily, it doesn't come up on the score sheet, but your team goes and scores five minutes later. You know, those, those, those are the goalkeepers that can change the game. And those are the ones that, you know, really need to be um, rewarded for their efforts. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, look, we're, we're, we're so darn tall. I mean, we got, we got, obviously, you know, people were, very critical. And I was very critical of Alyssa Nair, um, you know, going into, in, into the, the world cup. And obviously she came up big, you know, in some games, uh, late, late in the tournament for us, uh, for the United States, but then obviously Ashlyn, um, we've got AD, you know, uh, up, up in Portland. Uh, we got Jane Campbell in Houston. We got Aubrey. I mean, we're, Casey Murphy, you know, now is, is starting to shine, you know, for Seattle. I mean, we're just so darn deep. I think, uh, you know, one of these days, uh, Kaylee Collins is, is going to be in that mix, you know, hopefully, crossing our fingers here uh <laughs> shout out to kaylee out there but um you know it, it it's a it's a tough situation to be a women's national team goalkeeper and i i've talked to people about this you know a lot of these a lot of these women if they had if, if they had uh chosen to play for a different country you know they'd be number ones no question about it uh around the world but i, I really want to see aubrey at least be given a shot for that olympic team uh next year uh speaking of uh of of, of the future uh i want to kind of give a an announcement here to everybody uh listening to inside the 18 uh we got uh, we got some big news coming up uh one is is that uh omar zini uh is uh is going to be launching his uh his uh solo project uh, as we'd like to call it. Uh, we've got a, a new podcast that uh, Omar is going to be launching uh, that's going to be focused on the Premier League. It's going to be focused on where we were talking about listener questions and uh, also delving into the, the stories, kind of more finding out about the psyche of a, of a goalkeeper when they go through their, uh, you know, their, their, their career and, and talking to different pros around the world about that. So Omar, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're going to be doing? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, uh, you know, for me, it's just, I, I love telling the stories and I think it comes back to when I was younger and I would like, I told you guys all the time, like I make those saves or like my teammates, other goalkeepers and I, we'd be like, I wish there was somebody here to like document this so we, people can see that we're actually making these saves. And, you know, we're at UC Davis, a division one school, but like, we're still not like being talked about like a UCLA is, but like we, we, we all wanted that attention. Um, so now that I've been able to kind of like create an avenue where I can you know, give the voice to those other goalkeepers that may not be uh, as represented uh, as these other, you know, big time schools or whatever it is. I feel like that's where I want to be. And, and when it comes to the podcast, like I really just want to do storytelling and, and, you know, give these goalkeepers a voice and, you know, tell their stories. Because I think a lot of it, like Mike, you always say is that, you know, people who play in the USL, who play in the MLS, who play in USL League One, League Two, Division One in college, Division Two, all those goalkeepers, their stories are more alike for the young kids that are listening. It's, it's so similar to what they're going through on a day-to-day basis. So I think having those stories, you know, put out into the open, whether it's pro tips or just, you know, open dialogue and have, you know, communication where you hear their stories about the struggles and you know, the good habits they had, whatever it is, all that stuff. And I think that's um, kind of what I want to bring with this podcast. So it uh, should be interesting. I mean, I'll, I'll still be on the, you know, on the podcast here with you guys doing as a correspondent and coming on. So uh, that'll be fun, but, uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I just want to make sure that so. But, but while Chava's listening to this right now, that he didn't just jump <laughs> off the bridge and scared to death that uh, that Omar was leaving inside the eighteen. No, Omar will be on inside the eighteen as well. Uh, but because Omar's going to be so busy with the college season, you know, coming up and obviously all the content, you know, with his channel, uh, we needed to fill that void and we need to bring somebody else in. And uh, and it's going to be uh, no. I know a lot of you guys might be thinking it's somebody from the Great White North, uh, but it's actually somebody from the Great White South North. Uh, which is the the Midwest of uh, of America? Patrick McLean's going to be joining inside the eighteen, and and that's why Patrick's uh, been on this uh, first episode right now. So, first off, Patrick, honestly, thanks so much for joining inside the eighteen. We're going to be really excited to have you on, you know, in the future moving forward. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited too. I can tell from your voice right there how, how excited you are. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm stoked. No, it's gonna be it's gonna be great, guys. And I know a lot of you guys, you know, you know. Obviously, Omar and I, you know, and, and, and Trevor in the past have been able to provide some great insight into the game, but we didn't play in MLS. And, you know, sometimes it's cool to be able to hear, you know, the perspective from somebody who did play in MLS, you know, on that save and, you know, on, on this situation in this game and all of that. Um, it gives us a little bit more credibility than just some jackass, you know, who's playing in a men's sevens league on a Thursday night, uh, telling you on why that, that top hand save was so, so brilliant. So, uh, <laughs> so. So yeah, so it's going to be pretty cool. That's why I said Patrick's going to be joining us to Arizona. Um, make sure to go online. We're going to start promoing that if you're in the Scottsdale, Phoenix area. It's also a Keepers Care fundraiser, so make sure you're going to be bringing your toy there. Um, shout out to everybody at, at, um, at Rush uh, for making this happen. It's going, to, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I guess, guys, we've been going for like an hour and a half, and, uh, and Omar <laughs> has his final edit to do. Uh, before he uh, before he retires his uh, his editing duties, um, so that's all the time we got on inside the eighteen for today. Uh, remember, guys, contact at inside the eighteen media.com. Uh, if you got listener questions, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And uh, we are out later, guys. See you See later. You guys.